Well, this evening, if, if you have your Bible, really the, the greatest interest is going to be those last number of verses that we read, verses 20 to 22. And they give us insight into what is going on in the days of Noah. Of course, we're not just going to look at those verses. Uh, we're going to look at most of the chapter uh, without, without, even, uh, without even blinking, because we want to see what's happening in God's Word. Uh, but I, I wonder uh, what was going on in Noah's heart as he landed on Mount Ararat. And sometimes we, we do think about uh, what we should be doing and, and what I should be doing instead of what saying and what God has done. And when we look at these last number of verses, I want you to, to, to focus in on what God has said and how Noah was obeying God. And sometimes uh, we must stop and say, Noah, there's lots of voices in all of the world and, and I can listen to each one of them. Oh yes, all, all have different reasons for speaking and telling us what to do. But there's one voice that trumps them all. Not, not the inner voice, but God. What has God got to say? What has God got to say in his word to us? And one of the things that, that's been, has been, been said for many years, come back, it was in the news last week, was, was, was how mankind is always searching for a reason uh, for, for, and why we are here. Uh, just last week it was in the news how, how, how people were coming up with a new uh, fangled way of, of this world coming into being, trying to figure it out. It wasn't just uh, the, the, big, the big machine in uh, wherever it is in Switzerland, that the, the hydro collator thing that bangs all the, col the, the, the molecules together. It's not only that anymore. It's, it's people wanting to know what, where they came from and where they're going. And one man said this, there are impossible things in the universe. And one of them is saying that the world was made by a big bang or by a process of evolution. And then he said this, it would be impossible to figure them out just like it would be impossible for a blind man to have a Rubik's Cube and ask him to solve it. That's not because the blind man is, is unintelligent. He can't see what he's doing. And men, men can't see what they're doing, where, where they find out that they say, well, well, this world is billions of years old. Have you ever heard that? Over and over again. And I'm sure you're shouting out at David, David Attenborough. Sorry, David. Oh, what are you saying? Billions of years old. No, actually, God made us, and he made us for a purpose. And there was something that happened that was cataclysmic all over all the, all the world. It was, it, it was, it was a flood. And would you believe that people say that there's something that's happened in, in, in all the marine life, in all the, the land animals, that it has changed this planet? Now, they would differ in what it was. Oh, it was, it was an asteroid. An asteroid came to Earth, and it wiped out the whole planet, planet and all the dinosaurs and everything else. Or, or, or there was some sort of volcanic explosion that wiped out the whole animal kingdom. Yet the truth is, that when we read God's word, we see what ha what's happened. That here is Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and he built an ark, and there was a flood. A worldwide flood. It was catastrophic. It was something that affected every man. That actually, we see that, that God had seen the wickedness of men were, was great in the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only ever evil continually. People back to Genesis 6, you'll read that, verses 5 to 7. And, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both beast and creeping things, birds of the air, 
And he says, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now here's the issue. God made us not for wickedness. He made us to know him and to love him and to enjoy him forever. He made us so we could know his mercy and we could know how, how loving he truly is. And what we tend to, to do is, no, I don't want God. God is holy and righteous. I want no one to hold me to account. Isn't that something that we want in life too? We don't want the police to hold us to account for our actions. Or, or anyone else who investigates our life. We don't want anyone to, to, to know anything that we're doing. And yet, we're accountable, all of us, to God. Men know, or God knows, that man's actions were continually evil. And yet God, it said even in our, in our chapter this evening in verse 1, it says, but God remembered Noah. Here is God, and he, he sees this one who, and it says in another chapter, that God had showed grace to Noah and to his family. And so we know the story, don't we? We tell it to our children, don't we, about Noah and his ark. We tell, our, we tell everyone that, that Noah had those animals to go in two by two, male and female, so that there would be a repopulation of the earth after the flood. And he brings in seven by seven, and we'll figure out what that means later on. So there was clean animals uh, that were seen by God who were on that ark. And so all of them were to go onto that ark. But I wonder, I wonder what was really going on deeper than just the surface. It's not just a story of a man and a boat. No, there's something deeper going on in the life of, of Noah and also in the, in the actions of God that, that we need to be hearing about this evening. Uh, and this evening I want to bring that out to you from these verses. It's very interesting when we look at them. Here's the first thing I want you to see. That actually, when we look at Noah, he has a heart of worship. Do you ever have one of those Sundays, particularly at half past five, when you're feeling just a little bit tired, oh, do I really have to go back out to church? Do I really have to get in the car and put my tie back on? Oh, I forgot my tie. <laughs> I was a little bit overdressed this morning. <laughs> None of you had a tie on. But uh, do, do I really have to put my tie back on? Do I really need to? And actually, Noah, Noah was someone who had seen and, and known the mercy of God and says, I'm going to respond to that mercy. I'm going to respond to what God has for me. And really, we see his heart of worship, and it starts a little bit further back in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20, actually. We get to see he's got an obedient heart. Do you notice what he does? He doesn't just get up and get out of the boat. He doesn't just get up and do his own thing. Actually, when you look at it, you see that he takes off the cover to have a look to see if the earth has dried out enough. It's a sensible thing to do, isn't it? Don't be stepping in puddles. He has to look out, first of all, to see, but he doesn't get off the ark. Did you notice as we read that actually it was only when God said in verse 15 and 16, go out of the ark, that he got out. It was only when he says, go and take your, your wife and, and your sons and your son's wives and then leave. Here was a man who was trusting God, firstly in building the ark, then getting into the ark, then looking after all those animals, and then getting off the ark. He, had, he was trusting in God's mercy the whole time. Now I know what it's like getting off a boat. 
Have you ever been there or a plane? you ever been, been on a plane? And as soon as the plane touches down, what happens? Oh, get the belt off, quick. Everybody up, get your bags out of the, out of the luggage compartment. We're going to get off the plane so quickly. Did the captain say, uh, you can leave your seats now? We're just turning into gate number 16, and um, you can just jump off the end of the plane. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no steps, just get off. Or like it was when, when we get off the boat, uh, you, we were coming up alongside the, the port, and we're nowhere near docking yet. And you get the, you get the, the, the you can, those car drivers can go to their car now. The doors are still shut. You can't get down the steps. And as you get there, you see the crowd of people on the steps. And they're everywhere. They're, they're ready to get off the boat without anyone tell, telling them, actually, you can start your engines and the thing's open. You see, we've got this tendency within our hearts uh, to just do what we want to do. Instead of having the heart of worship that Noah had, I'm going to listen to God and his word, I'm going to obey him and to, to do what pleases him. And the first thing was obedience. The first thing was coming and saying, right, God, I'm going to stay in this ark until the time is right, until you say so. How many times in your life have you taken things into your own hands and got it wrong? I've always been taught that the first thing that we need to do is pray. Ask God, God, is this the right thing for me to do? Is this the godly thing for me to do? Does this match up to God's word? Has God really said for me to do this thing? And if, if God's word and the wisdom of other saints and the spirit of God, if they don't match up, then it's time to say, okay, we must knock this on the head and stop. Because God is certainly telling me something else to do. And so we always must check and make sure that actually God is telling us what to do. That he even tells us how to worship him. That ever, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so here is Noah having a heart of worship. But you notice what Noah did when he came off the ark? He not only built the ark, but it says here in verse, verse 20... That after he came off the ark, then Noah built an altar. Can I tell you a secret? Don't let me build anything. Because I can't. I can, I can think. I can, no, I can't write because you, you can't read my handwriting. And if, you, know, you don't want to read my hand. But I can type. I don't know what I would do if I was a preacher in, a, in another generation. But I can type and I can read words and I can stand before you and tell you what God's word has to say. But to build an altar like that, here is a man who is obeying God. He built an ark and he built an altar to worship God. His heart and his mind and his will were set on God. He built a, an altar, an altar of worship. And at harvest time, and not just at harvest time, but all the year through, we find that we should be thankful to God for his mercy. God had brought him right through all of those days on the ark. 380 days. Imagine being on a boat for all of those days, over a year. And not only with your family, those around you who you love, but all those animals. The smells, the sounds the nice times, the births. And here he was, and he says, well, the first thing I'm going to do is worship God. What's the first thing that you do when you waken up in the morning? 
<laughs> is it to turn to God and say, God, I thank you for another day. I worship you that you've given me breath. There's a man called John Wesley. Uh, he, none of you were around when he was around too long ago. But when he was 21 years of age, he went to Oxford University. So he wasn't, he wasn't dim. He was a smart man. He was gifted with a gifted mind. In fact, he, he, apparently he was, he was quite good looking as well. But in those days, when he went to university, he was a bit more superior. He thought he was better than everybody else. And he was sarcastic. One night, he, his heart was changed. Because here was a man who was a porter, someone who, who, does, who, who, who brings things around and works at the university. And here was this man who had one coat, and he didn't even have a bed to lie, lie in, and he was the most happy person and most worshipable wor person who worshipped God the most. And Wesley, being immature, asked him, and what else can you give thanks to God for? And the porter smiled and says, I thank God that he has given me my life and that my heart, be heart belongs to him to love him and to serve him and to constantly desire him. But here was this poor man with nothing. And he was the most worshipful. He had, he had the greatest heart of worship ever. And it, it affected John Wesley. In 1791, on his deathbed, Wesley remi was reminded of that. And he began to sing, I'll praise my maker while I'll have breath. I wonder, I wonder do you have a heart of worship in everything? A heart that's obedient. A heart that would build uh, an altar to God and to offer spiritual sacrifices of praise to God. Are there times in our lives where we forget to say thank you? Uh, and, and to really remember uh, that, that God has brought us near to him by sacrifice. Because notice what, what Noah did. Noah built the altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Here was this man shedding blood. Here was this man bringing praise to God saying, I thank you, Lord. I worship you. I want to be right with you. I want to have my sins covered. And this evening, you and I as believers, if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know our sins are covered. We know our sins are atoned for. He has paid for them with his blood. And we can come and we can worship at the altar called the cross. We can come to Calvary and thank him and worship him and, and enjoy him and know his mercy because he has withheld his rightful anger and punishment on us. In fact, he has done more. He has given us what we don't deserve. Imagine being the enemies of God at one moment. And because of Christ and his work on the cross, we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love, which means we come into the kingdom of God and not his kingdom. We are his children. We're in a privileged position. And do you worship God every day because you're his child? Oh, what mercy God has given to us. Noah had a heart of heart of worship. But notice something in these verses that we see that actually God has a heart of, of mercy. A heart of mercy. Now we need, to, we need to understand, and I like using this big word because we're speaking in anthropomorphic terms. Not a big word. Anthropomorphic. Which means in terms that we can understand. Right? 
so that men can understand what it is. So we talk about God breathing. God is spirit. God is spirit, and we worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we get to understand God has a heart of mercy. He, he is one who comes and, and gives us all of those things that we definitely need. He has given us many warnings. Because this is the first thing we think about Noah, actually. Do you remember what, who Noah was? If you turn, turn to 2 Peter in chapter 2 and verse 5, it reminds us who Noah was. 2 Peter 2, 5. Write it down, look it up later. God did not spur the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Here is God's mercy. Do you know that? God, God had set apart Noah for this magnificent work of being a preacher of righteousness. God was showing mercy. He was telling people all the time, you've got to avoid the, 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 the judgment. You've got to avoid the, the, the rain that's coming. You've got to, got to miss, miss the flood and get on the ark. Do you believe that? That God was so gracious and merciful that he, he would send a preacher into the world, someone to tell you to, what to avoid and who to go with? To trust in God for yourself and to be safe in the ark? God has a heart of mercy. Uh, and we find it wasn't just in Noah's day, because if you read the, through the whole Bible, how many times do you, do you see how God sets apart a man, or, a man or men to stand up and to proclaim his word? Those who were leaders in Israel, those who were judges, those who were, were prophets. And a prophet was someone who spoke from God and said, Thus saith the Lord. This is what God says. And God was so merciful also when you run through the whole of Scripture that he speaks finally in Christ Jesus. That Jesus Christ was the one who came into the world telling men about the kingdom of God that we thought about this morning and, and warning them to flee the wrath to come. That here is God being merciful and gracious so they can hear a rescue plan. In Noah's day, the rescue plan was get in the ark. Get in the ark. Be safe. God's rescue plan is to look forward to Jesus and to look and to live in him, to trust him, to know him, uh, to be like him. And so God had warned, but God also had rescued these eight souls. Someone's bound to say, oh, only eight souls? Yeah, the rest of them didn't listen. Maybe you're here tonight and and you might not think God is merciful to you, but he is. He's letting you hear again the good news of, of Jesus Christ, that you can come to him. He has loved you, and, and, he, uh, and he, he wants you to know him for yourself. Do you remember what it was like in Noah's day? And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That talks about God's anger at sin. But just before that, God said to Noah, get into the ark. And, and, and make sure as many as you can get into the ark. God is merciful. Listen to what God does. This, this is from a man. He, I don't know him, but his name is Harry Reader. And it says this. In the exercise of God's common grace, God displays patience and forbearance with the world. 
patience and forbearance ought to lead men and women to repent. Instead, we find that in God's patience and forbearance, unbelievers rebel and mock God for his patience. Like the man who prayed, God, strike me down with lightning now. (laughs) And, And he said, see, there is no God. And the man beside him said, well, God's just being merciful to you. You've got to remember that men and women under God's goodness and mercy every single morning and every single evening and every single day, he is the one who gives them life and breath. God has a heart of mercy, you know. Even to the chief of sinners. Remember that other man in the New Testament? His name was called Saul of Tarsus. Do you remember him? And he had his name. His name was Paul as well. And this is what he says. I was formerly a blasphemer. I was someone who persecuted Christians. I was insolent. I, I was, I was a, a bad man, in other words. And this is what he said. But I obtained mercy. I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. You see, God is merciful. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He is even willing to forgive us. He is even willing for us to be safe and to be saved. And why do men and women, and even boys and girls, why do we reject God's love and mercy? It's because we don't have a heart of worship, is it? Because if we did have a heart of worship, and I hope you do as a believer, we remember what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And we live in light of that every time we feel, I just don't want to go to church. We live by the truth of what God has written in his word. I have obtained mercy. He has done something for me that is so wonderful, that has changed my very desires and attitudes and the very intentions of my heart. Once I wanted to go and just do my own thing, now I want to go and worship God. Does that describe you this evening? That surely you, in your heart of hearts, deep down in your soul, you say, I want God's way, which is far better by far. And notice what God does with those who have that heart. Notice what God does with with Noah and his worship. Listen to these words. And the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Never will I ever strike again, strike down every living creature as I have done. Here is God, not not overturning the curse that came in Genesis chapter 3, because that's still in operation. But he says, I'm never going to flood the earth again. God has shown mercy. He has given men and women and boys and girls opportunity after opportunity to hear, to respond, to listen to God's word, and to come to him to hear the call of the kingdom, to hear the call of Christ, to turn from our our own selfish ways to worship him and to enjoy his mercy. 
Now there's one last thing that we got to see. So, so Noah had a heart of worship. God has this heart of mercy. And the final thing we get to see is this. God makes a promise of stability. Stability. Now you've got to ask yourself the question, why does the sun come up every morning? Well, maybe in Swansea you don't see it. I was, I was saying earlier on that every time we came towards Port Talbot, it just rains. Just every time we, we, we head towards Fishguard to get a boat, and it's like, every, every time, Lord, it'll just rain. I'm sure, it's not, I'm sure it's not like that, is it? Not all the time. Maybe by some of your faces it is. But God promises stability. He promises that he's going to continue to act in mercy. He's still going to have these, the seasons. He's still going to have, uh, when the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. It shall not cease. Everything is going to continue as it is, even though it might not be recognizable. And here is... Here is the Lord saying that, that actually you can see that this world of chaos still has order. Now, when I was in university, uh, I did multimedia and design. And in the design part of the course, you, you had to go to Belfast. What a dangerous thing to do. Had to go to Belfast, and you had to go to the art college, and you had to learn all about design. That's why you've got nice colors this evening. Green and white, it goes together, you know. I did learn something after all. <laughs> Maybe it's the only thing I learned. But as we went to art college, the, our very first assignment was this, to find order in chaos. Now, what is your first thoughts when you see that order in chaos? That's crazy. What's this crazy Northern Irishman on about? Order in chaos. It can't be done. And actually, there is. Do you see how chaotic our world is? How busy it is? And yet, as I said earlier, the sun still comes up at, at around 6 a.m. or before. And, and it still goes down in the evening time. And you can see the moon in the sky. And you see the stars come out. And everything turns through a 24-hour period. You get to see everything is ordered, even though men are disorderly. You get to see the grass grow and, and into wither. And, and the, the leaves, even the leaves that, that turn their color in, color in autumn time. You see the snow come any time of the year, nearly. And the summertime, you get to see the rain and the heat. But there are clearly marked seasons and clearly marked timings and God said, while the earth remains, you're going to know that God is still in charge. Even when the world goes mad, even when society rejects God, he is still the sovereign Lord over all things who shows mercy every single day. Now that affects us, you know. That affects how we live. If God is in control, I'm not going to panic. I think I, I said to Nigel earlier on that, I, that I, in the back room as we prayed, if, if I was someone and it all depends upon me, I'm in big trouble. Because it's only me. I've got a few words on a page that, that I pray the Lord uses. And I'll be sweating, big sweats. But actually God takes his word and he applies it to your life and reminds you who he is. And, and this is the God who rules over all things. And he's speaking to you this evening. 
And he's promising that day after day he is going to lend you your breath. That day after day you can praise him and know him and live for him. That you can turn to him this evening and be part of his eternal kingdom. Do you know I find something out in the last number of weeks? Listen to this. This is, this is what we have every single day. 24-hour period. Your heart beats 103,689 times. Your blood travels 168 million miles. You breathe 23,040 times. I'm sure it's different for, some, for all of us. You inhale 438 cubic feet of air. I'm not going to tell you how much you, ex- you exhale. You speak about 4,800 words. Well, that depends on who you are. You have 750 muscles. You exercise 7 million brain cells. And who is it who allows you to do all this every single day? It's the Lord. The Lord God Almighty. And so we we come and we can thank him and praise him and give him the glory that actually you're still alive and your body still functions even though you think it's out of control. It's not. Even when you're sick. God heals you. Because in your body, God has given you all the necessary faculties for your blood to stop, to clot, and those wounds to heal. Fascinating. And yet we don't want to praise God, do we? We don't want to give him the glory. Oh no, this is my body. This is what I do. This is, this is my heart. I'll worship whatever I want. No, Noah, Noah didn't do that. And God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to hold on to him. As God holds on to you. And to realize that he created this world. He knows how it's fallen. And he knows the answer to that fallenness is in Christ Jesus. And he wants you to hear the promise. While the earth remains. Seed time and harvest. Planting and reaping. Cold in the winter. And in the heat of the summer. Winter and summer. Day and night shall not cease. And it's a reminder. It's a reminder that God blesses us and keeps us and is in control. And we can forget so quickly how good God has been to us. And so this evening, I wonder what you will do with this God. Will you remind yourself day after day that that he does love you and give you all that is necessary for life and for godliness? That he's provided the Lord Jesus Christ to change us. And not by, by pulling our socks up. But actually transforming us and making us alive. Knowing that God has made a precious promise to us. Not only that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But actually day after day after day is given by the Lord. And the Lord teaches us to number our days. So we may have a heart of wisdom. And so God is kind. God is loving. God is merciful. Even in our days. Even to Noah. Even to his family. Do you know how merciful God has been to you? Even though the imaginations of our hearts are continually wicked. Here is God. In a world that has rejected him. 
and that he promises to keep everything going and to show mercy as we preach about him, as we bring our friends towards Jesus and tell them of Jesus. We need to know how to worship him and how to be right with him. We need to understand his mercy. We need to understand that God is in control. And we have a responsibility to live. So, according to Genesis chapter 8, we get to see this flood narrative. And Noah worships the Lord. What will you do tonight? Will you worship the Lord? Will you remind yourself of his mercy? Will you remind yourselves of the promises of God? Maybe it's time to stop worshipping ourselves or other men or celebrities and spending time looking at them. Maybe it's time to, to please him and to worship him and to have your life focused on Jesus Christ and eternal realities. For to know him, to know Christ, means to know life eternal. I wonder, do you know eternal life? And dear believer, do you worship him? To come back to him, to trust him, to obey him, and to love him for he first loved you.